0: And so we're going to finish our follow series uh, this morning. But this is not the end of the follow theme. We really believe, and I am really passionate about this. This theme is a theme that God wants to develop with us over this next 12 months. But this is the last week of the series. And if you haven't been with us, I want to give you a little recap over the series. It began three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, four Sundays ago. With Just, just looking at the invitation. In the Bible, uh, Jesus 23 times or more invites people to follow him. And religion says change and then join. But Jesus says join or follow and then you will change. So Jesus invites us into a relationship where, and this is the the mind-blowing news, you don't have to believe everything or even believe in Him to follow Him. You don't have to behave in all kinds of certain ways to follow Him. You can follow Him and as you follow Him into a relationship... You will come to believe certain things and you will come to behave in certain ways. Not because you're trying to be religious or trying to earn God's favor, but because you have God living in you by His Spirit and He's changing you from the inside out. And that relationship is such where you can know Him, you can hear His voice, you can know His power and you can feel His embrace. And over time, the evidence of whether you're a real follower and not just a fan, and that's what we've been looking at, the difference between a fan and a follower, the real evidence will be the clothes that you wear. Not the Sunday best or not the white socks and sandals that we looked at last week. But the clothes that Paul speaks about in his letter to the Colossian church where he said clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness and over all of those put on the one piece of clothing that marks you out as a genuine follower of Jesus and that's love. You're not, the genuineness of your fellowship is not how much you know or how charismatic you are or how gifted you are, it's whether you love people. And combined with that, over time, You'll know whether you're a genuine follower, not just a fan, because of the choices that you make. Your priorities, your decisions, your responses, they all get to be Jesus' choices. Because over time, you get to the point where Jesus is not one of many, but Jesus is your one and only. And that's what we looked at over the last three weeks. Uh, but, and so I look at that and I think, that sounds great. Like, who wouldn't want to sign up to that? I don't have to believe everything, I don't have to behave certain ways, I get a relationship with God and it sounds all great and we want to sign up. But before we do that fully, there is some fine print. There is some small print in this follow deal that we need to look at. How many of you know that there's often fine print in life? There's often small print, isn't there? You know when someone phones you up and they says, I'm not trying to sell you anything. What are they trying to do? sell you anything, aren't they? And when someone phones up and says, you've won a free holiday, and you say, like I say, are there any strings attached? And they say, no. And then they tell you the strings that are attached to the free holiday. There's always something in that. And I've been looking at this, and you know, some, uh, when, when uh, manufacturers make things, they, they, they put a little statement on the, on, on the, uh, the box. So Vidal Sassoon on a hairdryer, it said this, do not use while sleeping. Who is... Who is going to try and dry their hair while they're sleeping? Or an iPod Shuffle literally said this, do not eat iPod Shuffle, just in case you are peckish. And then um, a child-sized Superman costume came with this fine print. Wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. All right, just to make sure. And then this one, the last one, the, the Dremel electric drill. Okay, so it's an electric drill like a Black & Decker, but a Dremel electric drill. This product is not intended for use as a dental drill. In human or veterinary medical applications. So if your cat has a bad tooth, do not use this drill in their mouth. That's the fine print, just to make sure we understand what it is that we're getting into. Well, as Jesus had this group of followers, uh, some were fans and some started to follow him. And within that group of followers, there were the core of his followers, called his disciples. There were 12 of them. But as Jesus continued his ministry and his life on earth, the kind of whole mood of the group began to change. And you pick it up really well in the, in the Gospel of John, the Letter of John, the New Testament book, written by the guy called John, and it's in John chapter 6. And in this whole chapter, there's a whole change in the mood in the camp of followers. And it starts in John chapter 6 at the beginning, when Jesus feeds this multitude supernaturally. So there are 5,000 people, 5,000 men, loads more than that. So perhaps even 15,000, 20,000 people. And Jesus feeds them all supernaturally, and they love it. And then right after that, Jesus walks on the water. And only the disciples see it, but everyone gets to hear about it. And so they chase after him. They want to see this man who feeds them supernaturally and who can do really cool supernatural tricks. And they love it. And they're following him. But then as, he's, as, he, as they're following him, he turns around and he starts to teach them. And he says, do you know what? Some of you are only following me because you think I'll feed you. Some of you are only following me because you think I'll do really cool supernatural tricks. But actually, if you really want to follow me, you need to take up your cross and you need to follow me. That's not cool. <laughs> that's, not, that's not exciting. Jesus, take up your cross. They all know what that means because the cross was the Roman symbol of crucifixion, of capital punishment. It's not nice. And so Jesus is saying to his followers, if you want to follow me, there's great things in store for you. There's this relationship with me. There's this supernatural provision. There's all this great stuff. But there's also some really tough stuff as well. If you want to follow me, it's not just all the supernatural cool stuff. It's the difficult stuff as well. And amidst the crowd that day, some of them began to get a little agitated. They started grumbling amongst themselves. And the Bible picks it up in John 6, verse 60, where it says this. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And at that point, if it was me, I might say to someone, It's okay. It's not that bad. Let me just tell you the good side. But Jesus doesn't do that. He pushes it even harder. And then it says in verse 66, from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Wow. So many of these followers suddenly became fans. Because you see, when it gets really tough, a fan just bails out. But followers don't. But these followers became fans. And then one of the most profound and challenging statements Jesus ever makes is in John 6, verse 67, where he turns to his core followers, the twelve right at the heart of his relationship. And he says this, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. You do not want to leave too, do you? So he turns around and says, listen, this is tough and these guys are all bailing out here. Do you want to go? And let's pause that for a moment. The question could be translated into our modern world as this. Do you want to unfollow? Because if you use Twitter, how many of you use Twitter. So Twitter's great. I love Twitter. You can follow someone and they can follow you. But you know how easy it is to not follow them any longer? One button. You just get on and say, and there's a button called unfollow. And you say, Do you know what? I don't want to follow you anymore. You're really boring me or you're really annoying me or you're really aggravating me. And you're gone. And what happened here was that all of these crowd, as they began to read the fine print of what it means to follow Jesus, many of them pressed unfollow and they began to bail out. Now, for those of you this morning who aren't yet Christians and you haven't begun this whole journey of following, I want to tell you something. If you do it, it'll be fantastic, the best decision you've ever made, but it won't be the easiest decision you've ever made. There will be moments in your life in the future when you will feel like wanting to unfollow. I want to tell you that because I want to be honest. I don't want to say, come to Jesus and you'll get supernatural gifts. You'll get whatever you want. It'll all be cool. It'll all be fun. Because I don't think that would be a fair representation of what it means to follow Jesus. All of that comes with it. But there will be some moments when you will be tempted to unfollow. And many of us in this room know that to be true from experience. And you're tempted to unfollow usually in three areas. Usually when you hit trouble, or when you hit transition, or when you hit temptation. When you hit times of trouble... And you think, well, I'm following you, God, and I'm in all this mess. I've just lost my job. My family's in a mess. I'm financially challenged. I've got a health challenge, and I'm following you. And you'll be tempted at times like that to say, do you know what? I don't want to follow you anymore. Unfollow. There'll be times of transition when you're going from one season of your life to another, and a whole lot of stuff can change. At those times, you can be tempted to press unfollow. Or when you're facing temptation... And you're fighting it, and you're wrestling, and you're struggling. You're thinking, I know God doesn't want me to give in to this. But it gets to a point when you think, you know what? I can't be bothered to struggle any longer. And you can get to a point as a follower of Jesus where you say, perhaps the atheists were right. Perhaps I'll just forget all of this God stuff. It's just too hard at times. And I'll just kind of give myself to whatever I want to do, whatever feels right, whatever feels great. I just can't be bothered with the struggle any longer. And many Christians press on follow in times of trouble, transition, or temptation. But then, if we go back to the story, I love what happens next. I I find it's one of the most moving verses in the Bible, in verse 68. So Jesus has said to them, you you don't want to leave too, do you? You don't want to press on, follow, just because it's going to get tough. And Peter says this, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? (laughs) Where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Look at that. I began following you, Peter said. Now I've come to believe in you. And now I've come to know that you are the Son of God. Yes, it's going to get tough. Yes, it's going to get difficult. Yes, I'll be tempted to unfollow. But where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. So I want to say to those of you here, you're followers of Jesus. Not all of you, I know that. But those of you that are, and you're going through a tough time right now. You're going through a time of transition or even temptation, and you're tempted to say, it would be much easier if I pressed unfollow. And you may be right. It may be easier. I want to ask you a question. Where else are you going to go? If not Jesus, who? If not Christianity, what? And if you can't answer those questions, then I want to encourage you to not unfollow, but to keep following. Even with your doubts... Even with your questions, even with your uncertainty, Jesus welcomes followers who have doubts, questions, and uncertainty. Can I hear an amen? (laughs) You weren't sure about that. You are uncertain. That's okay. You're in. Because this is what happens. Jesus welcomes followers who have doubts, questions, and uncertainty. But what happens is that because we have those things, we think perhaps it would be easier if I didn't follow, and we hit the button and press unfollow. But Peter says, where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. And I often say this sentence, you've heard me say it many times. Life sometimes doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make much sense even with God. Without God, it makes even less sense. So you think, well, I'm hurting and I'm in pain and I'm in confusion. Okay, unfollow. Where are you going to go to help you with your hurt, pain and confusion? Peter says, it might get tough, but where else are we going to go? Only you have the words of eternal life. You see, a fan is fickle, but a follower is forever. Even with our doubts, questions, and uncertainty. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to break into the talk for a little bit and add to it. And we're so blessed in this church to have very talented, creative people all over the church. And two of those guys, Chris and Abby, have written a song for this series which I ask them to do when they've done, when it's brilliant. And we just want to bring that song to you and to pause. And it may be this morning that uh, there are some of you here and uh, you're kind of going through that whole phase where you're ready to almost, your finger is hovering over that unfollow button. And life is really tough for you right now. And you're tempted to unfollow. But I want to ask you, where else are you going to go? Only you, Peter says, have the words of eternal life. It may be tough. It may be difficult. Hang in there. Keep following with your doubts, with your questions, with your uncertainty. And like Peter, you may one day say, hey, I'm not going to go anywhere. We've come to believe and we've come to know that you are the son of the living God. Here's this song. Let's pray. Perhaps that's you right now. Perhaps you're in that place where it's tough and you, you are almost tempted to unfollow. And you just, just want to hold on on that button and just take your finger off it and say, Lord, I, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to press forward. Where else am I going to go? I'm going to press forward through that trouble, through that transition, that temptation. I will follow you. Father, I want to pray for anyone this morning who's in that place. I know what that feels like as well. God, I want to pray that somehow your presence would fill their life. And that instead of them feeling that finger that's almost on that unfollow button, they'd feel your hand on their hand. And that you'd lead them forward, I pray. Let them follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. It was amazing. Hmm. So as we finish this series, I want to take you through the fine print about what it really means to follow. For some of you that are at the start of this journey, you may not yet be Christians. You haven't kind of said, I'm going to follow. You're just thinking about it. This is where it's heading. For those of you that are followers this is to remind you and perhaps to even tell you for the first time what's really involved. This is the fine print. And Jesus expresses it best, I think, in Luke chapter 9. It touches on it in John 6, but the, Luke's version, is, it, he uses three instances which really help us see it in clarity. And in Luke chapter 9 verse 23, he says to all of this crowd, it's the same kind of story as, as John 6, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Then later in the chapter, he comes across three people who want to be followers and they raise up the three questions and the three objections, if you like, to the fine print, okay, of what it really means to be a follower. And the first one is this, to follow means wherever, wherever he leads you. And that means there. It means what about there? It means that place where you think, well, I'll follow you anywhere, but not there. But to be a follower, the fine print is that you're going to commit at some point in your life to saying, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you lead. Let's look in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you, and here's the word, wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's quite obscure, isn't it? Jesus comes along and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus starts talking to him about wild animals. At that point, he should have called Dan Bennett. And then there'd have been no problem with the foxes. And it's like, well, I'll follow you wherever you go, and you're talking about foxes and dens and nests and birds. What's all that about? What Jesus is saying is this listen, I know you think you want to follow me, but following me means it will get uncomfortable. That's what he talks about. He says, you know, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you follow me, we're not heading to the Hilton nor the Marriott. Basically what he's saying is this. We're heading to a potentially uncomfortable journey. There will be moments when it will be fantastic and great and comfortable, but there will be moments when it will be uncomfortable. Do you want to follow me wherever? This is what it really means. Wherever means no restrictions, no boundaries. And you might say, well, I will follow you, Lord, anywhere but not there. And Jesus says, well, then you put something in which I don't want to be there. Because to be a follower means no restrictions, no boundaries. So what about there? What about in your home? You might think, I'll follow you, Lord. But in my home, that's my home. I want to do my own thing in my home. But Jesus wants you to follow him there as well. What about at work? At um, M- much of this stuff here, all, all of this stuff is taken from the book, not a fan. The last three chapters, I'm just giving you the headlines of the last three chapters, so it's much better and more detailed if you read the book. But, but in the book, the, the writer talks about this whole work thing, and he, and he puts together some really good phrases. He says, you know, if we really want to, to, to follow Jesus wherever, and that includes our work, then we'll look at issues like this. You justify greed by calling it ambition. You rationalize dishonesty by calling it shrewd business. You stay quiet about your faith at work and you call it being tolerant. Actually, you've got to say it for what it really is. What you're saying is, I'll follow you anywhere, but not there. My work is my work and that's how I'm going to do it. But Jesus says, no, no reservations, no restrictions, no boundaries. What about at the football game? When you head through the turnstiles? What about when you're behind the wheel and someone cuts you up? (laughs) That hit with some of us, (laughs) tonight. (laughs) What about the people you don't like that God's calling you to reach out to? What about to the ends of the earth? Jesus says, will you follow me wherever? What about if that means to the ends of the earth? You know, our society values consultants and they're great and they do a great job. But what a consultant does is a consultant gives you ideas and gives you advice, but you need to make the final decision. I've got some news for you. God doesn't do consulting. God doesn't do it. And if we treat God like a consultant, do you know what he does? He stops showing up for meetings. He just stops speaking when we treat him like a consultant. So when he says, I want you to do this, and you say, I'll take your advice and I'll think about it, he stops showing up. But when he says, I want you to follow me there, we say, yes, Lord, because we've committed to follow You see, a fan is fickle, but a follower is forever. He's forever, wherever he leads us to go. The second thing that Jesus looks at is the word whenever. And here's the question, well, what about now? Whenever, what about now? Let's read on in in Luke 9, 59. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. So I will follow you, okay, but first I want to go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Is it anyone, Is it just me that feels that's really harsh? You know, he's saying, I want to bury my dad. And, and Jesus says, no, let the dead bury their own dead. You need to follow me. The thing is, we don't understand the culture of the day. What Jesus, what's happening in this story? The man's father is not dead, all right? It's just not because of the culture and the way that this is written. In all likelihood, he was alive and very healthy. He's not saying, I want to follow you, but my dad's lying on the slab, all right, and I need to go just put him in the ground, and then I'll be back. He's not saying that. He's saying, my father is alive and well. I'm going to stay with him until he dies at some point in the future. And that might mean because I don't want my dad to disapprove of what I'm doing. It might mean because I want to take over the family business. It might just mean because I want the inheritance. But whatever it is, I'm going to do the family thing first, then I'll follow you. That's what's happening here. He's not saying that the body's cold or warm just about, and I need to put him in the ground, then I'll follow you. It's not saying that. Jesus will be incredibly heartless if that's what he was saying. But he knows that this man is saying, I'll follow you tomorrow. I'll follow you in the future. I'll follow you when I get this bit of my life sorted out. And Jesus said, no, if you want to be a follower, the fine print is it means now. It means whenever. The RSVP is a now RSVP. We respond to Jesus now. Now, some of you might be thinking, hang on a minute. This is all a little heavy. And you said you don't have to believe anything. You don't have to behave. You just have to follow. And I still say that. But that next step of decision, the response to that, is a now decision right now. But when you follow him, at some point in the future, you're going to get to moments in your life where it will cost you something to follow Jesus. And at that point, he's just saying, Lord, wherever and whenever, and if that's now, I'm going to do it now. That's what it means. Whenever means now. Now, in Hebrews chapter 3, which is another book in the New Testament, The writer says this, very important verse. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. What does that mean? In another version of the Bible, it says, or do not turn a deaf ear. Here's the thought. When God speaks to you and you don't respond, you automatically harden your heart. Because what happens is that you turn a deaf ear And by turning a deaf ear, it's almost at the same moment, your heart begins to harden. You don't mean to, you don't want to, but because you didn't respond, your heart begins to harden. So I made a commitment to God many, many years ago, and I've said it here before, that whenever God speaks to me, in a public setting or privately, but in a public setting as well, I'm going to respond. So when these guys or anyone else speaks and God's spoken to me and there's a response time, I'm out there. Because I don't want to harden my heart. And you harden your heart when you, don't respond. When you say, oh yeah, I'll get around to that tomorrow or, or I'll think about that. Let me pray about that one. That's the classic, isn't it? God speaks to us and we say, let's pray about it. And God says, no, I've already spoken to you. You don't need to pray about it, you need to do it. You need to do it. You might need to wait on God for how you're gonna do it, but you need to respond in your heart and say, I'm gonna do it. And that needs to be now. Or you will harden your heart. So what is God prompting you about? What is God speaking to you about? What's the next step on your journey of following? Perhaps for some of you, like Luke and Hannah did so well for us this morning, it's some of those opportunities that we've got in the church. Perhaps for some of you, it's getting baptized. That's the next step. And that's the step of obedience for you to do. So many people, when it comes to baptism, say this to me, I will do that next time. Not this one, but the next one. And then the next one comes, and it's the next one. And I want to say... You're going to harden your heart if you're not careful. Please respond to God now. If you know God is speaking to you, if you know God is nudging you and prompting you to get baptized, just do it now. It's a brilliant step on your journey of following. For you and your relationship with God, but also for all the people in your world to know that you're following Jesus. You're not going to press unfollow. You're pressing forward. So this morning, you've been putting off baptism. And some of you, you've been putting it off because you don't want to speak in public or you don't want to get your hair wet too bad or whatever it is, okay? Or some genuine reasons. We want to help you with all of that. We will help you with every single concern you've got. But the most important thing is that you respond. Don't harden your heart. Don't put it off, or you harden your heart. You think I'm not hardening my heart. You are when you put it off. It just happens. So I want to encourage you, at the back, we've got a sign-up sheet. You can go and sign up and do it today. Now, we're not going to baptize you now, all right? Because we've got to cut the carpet and do all that stuff and heat the water. We'll do it in, on April the 13th. But don't wait. And Oh, yeah, I'll think about that. Do it now, and you will know what happens when you do that. And say, yes, Lord, whenever, even now. Perhaps some of you are thinking, I want to serve in the church, and I haven't really got around to it. Again, we've got a, a course called Gifted to Serve, just two weeks, two evenings. Again, you can sign up for that at the back. You can find your gift and your passion and how to use that. You might want to say, well, I ought to be connecting to a life group. I don't really know people in this church. And I'll get round to that when life gets a bit quieter. It'll never get quieter. Do it now. Sign up. Do it now. You might be new and you think, do I really want to be a part of this church? I don't know what the values are. What does it mean to really belong here? There's a course, a course called Journey Course. Basically, whatever you want to do, we've got a course and a sign-up sheet at the back. <laughs> basically. Basically, okay? So, you want to do some flower arranging? Dan Bennett is running a call on that. As well as taming wild animals, okay? You can sign up. But, but what I want to encourage you, take the next step and take it now. Take it now. Whenever, what about now? And the third and final word is this whatever. Well, what about that? What about that? If it's whatever, what about that? Don't you love how language has evolved? How many of you know that wicked doesn't mean what we used to think it meant? Yeah? Or sick. Or safe, or apparently gravy, because some people said to me, "It's all gravy." I'm like, "Yeah, do you know what that means? It means it's all good, apparently." Is that right, young people? It's all gravy, in it. <laughs> the one, the one I hate, the one I absolutely hate, and I know some of you use it. All right, okay, and I've got the microphone, so I'm going. All I hate is lush. I hate that word. And that lush used to mean grass and stuff, and now I, it, it, I just don't know what it means. But language has evolved and one of the words that's evolved is the word whatever. Because whatever means whatever, whatever, you know, like that, yeah, whatever. But actually, whatever really means, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it, whatever you want of me, I'll do it. It doesn't mean, oh, whatever, I can't be bothered. It means whatever it is, Lord, I'll do it. So here we go. Luke 9, 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, here's another first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replies, again, really strangely, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It just, reads ridiculous, doesn't it? Let's look at it. The guy is saying, I want to follow you. First, I'm going to go say goodbye to mom and dad. Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow is fit for service in the kingdom of God. But again, we don't understand the culture of the day. You see, in the culture of the day, what this would have meant, going and saying goodbye to his family, is not going to say, hi, mom and dad, I'm off with Jesus, see you." It's not that. He would have gone back and for weeks or months, there would have been a whole series of celebrations and family gatherings and all this kind of stuff that he had to do first. And during the whole process of that, the family would start talking to him about the family business. And say, so, so you're leaving the family business, your inheritance. Your dad did it, your granddad did it, his dad did it, his dad did it, his dad did it, and you're leaving that to follow this rabbi. Which is why Jesus very carefully and cleverly uses this phrase, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's a reference, if you think back, to in the Old Testament, a story we looked at last year of Elisha, the call of Elisha, do you remember that? Who was ploughing in the family business as a farmer and Elijah came and called him to follow him and he didn't go and say goodbye. Well, he did say goodbye, but he didn't get into that whole thing. He basically killed the oxen, burnt the plough, cut it all off and said I'm yours, God, I'm following you. Because no one, no one who looks back and says, I'm going to do this first, is fit for service in the kingdom of God, is what Jesus is saying. And he's getting at the issue of us saying, whatever, I'll do whatever you want, Lord, but not that. Whatever it is, whatever your that is, that's the thing that Jesus is interested in. You know, there's a, there's a legend of, of the Knights Templar, which were those knights around the crusade times. that They often have to get baptized to show they were part of Christendom. I know there's a whole load of stuff in that. But, but when they get back, the, the legend was that as they went under the water, they keep their sword arm out of the water. Because what they were saying to God was this, you can have all of me, but you can't have that. What's your sword arm? What's your sword arm? What's the one thing that you say, do you know what, God? You can have anything, but you can't have that. But if we really are going to follow Him and continue to follow Him, eventually, over time, we'll come to the point where we'll say, Lord, wherever, whenever, whatever. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. So are you going to follow? What about that? A fan is fickle, but a follower is forever. Perhaps that sword arm for you is money, your career, entertainment, food, your kids, your family, your security. I don't know what it is. The rich young ruler, it was his wealth, definitely. And that story is a great and powerful and sad story about a young man that wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, well, okay, then you need to do this. And he said, I've done that. Well, you need to do this, and I've done that. But then Jesus looked right at the heart and he said, sell all you've got and give it to the poor. And the man said, I can't do that. And that's not to say that Jesus is going to say it to everybody, because he's not. He clearly doesn't. But he says it to that man because he knew that his wealth was the one thing that was his that. That was his sword arm. I'll do, I do all this other stuff. I'm so religious. I'm so good. But I, I can't let go of my money because that's my security and that's where my trust is. That's my that. That's my sword arm. And so Jesus went away sad and the man went away sad. What's your sword arm? What is the that that is stopping you from fully being a follower? You see, following Jesus means that we will come to a point where it will cost us something to follow him. And I want to finish with this bit. And I I realise this is dangerous for some of you that are just exploring Christianity. Because you might think, hang on a minute, where's the supernatural feeding? And the walking on the water? All of that is part of what it means to be a believer. It really is. We can tell you stories of the supernatural intervention of God. We believe all of that. But there is also a cost to following Jesus. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, and I'll try and get around this. Although this, to be honest, is a talk in itself. So I'll do it in two minutes. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, Jesus said. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? In other words, their life, their real life. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Think life. So whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will save it. What Jesus is voicing here is something in the heart of every person, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, and it's this. We all want to save our life, don't we? Yeah? We all want to save our life. And, and secondly, we all know that we can't do it. That one day we're going to lose it. Because the ultimate statistic is this. One out of every one of us dies. Isn't it? So, we, so, so the thing that brings us all together as human beings, whether you're a Christian or not, is we all want to save our life and we all know we can't do it. And Jesus says this, if you try to save it, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it for me, there'll come a point in time when actually you'll save it. It doesn't mean you'll live forever in a mortal sense, but you'll save your soul. That's who you really are. So by trying to save it, you lose it, but by losing it, you end up saving it. And here's the thought I want you to think about. Anything now that you think is a big sacrifice for you is nothing compared to that moment. If I could take you to that moment when when Jesus is going to say, you can save your life right now or you can lose it right now. Which one do you want to do? Anything that you think is a big sacrifice is nothing compared to that moment. That's what Jesus is saying. So following Jesus will cost you something somewhere along the way. But don't worry about it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's really worth it. At some point in the journey, there'll be a conflict between what you want uh, and what he wants. And if you let that go for him, it will feel like a death at the time, but it will be a defining moment. Because when you say yes to Jesus, your Saviour, you discover whose you really are. Not who you really are, whose you really are. But listen, you don't have to worry about it, because when it comes that moment, you'll be okay, as long as you keep following As long as you keep following you will be able to give that up pay that cost do that sacrifice you'll be able to do it because you are following him wherever whenever and whatever and you know if you are facing a choice right now shall I shan't I keep following shall I press on follow shall I just jack it all in can I just encourage you to do this in the future there'll be a great story for you to tell if you keep following but if you press on follow the story will read completely differently But if you keep following, the story that you've got to tell in the future will be amazing. You know, there's a guy in the book, not a fan. uh, He tells a story about a guy called William Borden. Some of you will have heard this story. I think Janet might have spoken it from this stage before, a couple of years ago. And William Borden was born in the 1800s. He was a young man, an American. Uh, He was born into a very rich family. He would have been a multi-millionaire. The inheritance and the family business was huge. He was the top student at school. And uh, in his teenage years at school, he was passionate for Jesus. And uh, he felt as a teenager that God was calling him. Jesus was calling him to follow him to the ends of the earth. That he was going to speak to unreached, what we call unreached people groups. In other words, people that hadn't heard about Jesus. It's in the 1800s. And that was his passion. That was, he, he was saying, Lord, wherever, whenever, whatever, that's it. And at the end of the high school, um, he traveled around the world a little bit because he was rich and all of that. And during that, as he was exploring the world, he wrote in his Bible two little words, and it said this, no reserves, no reserves. Then after high school, he went to university, and he was so passionate about Jesus that he started a Bible study, and very soon, there were a thousand students coming to his Bible study, can you believe that? And he so inspired them that they all used to go in evenings and weekends into the downtown of the city where the university was, and they used to feed the homeless. And then at the end, of, and during that time, he wrote in his Bible another two-word phrase, which was this, no retreats. So he'd written no reserves and no retreats. Then at the end of the university, when his family really wanted him to go into the family business, he said, no, I've got to follow Jesus. And that means to the ends of the earth. And so he, he set out for China, but he didn't get to China because he went to Egypt first because he wanted to learn Arabic so he could better communicate with various people groups. And while he was in Egypt, after being there for one month, He contracted spinal meningitis and died at the age of 25. Now, when you hear a story like that, it's a little confusing, isn't it? You think, well, that's very inspirational. And at the funeral, a lot of his family thought, why would you do that? You gave up a career, you gave up money, you gave up a future to follow Jesus. You didn't even get to where you felt you wanted to go. You know, what's all that about? But here's the thing. His life has inspired thousands of other people to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. There were people all dotted all around the world who were there because they heard the story of William Borden. You see, just after the funeral, they found his Bible, his family did, and they flicked through it. And they saw those two phrases that I've read, you know, no retreats, no reserves. Then there was a third one that he wrote just before he died, no regrets. No reserves, no retreats, and no regrets. What kind of story do you want to write? You want to write a story where he said, you know, I got so tough, I pressed follow, couldn't be bothered. Or do you want to say, no, I'm going to follow him wherever, whenever, and whatever it means? Final thought. You know, all those people in the crowd that were with Jesus in John 6 and in Luke 9? All those that pressed on follow and, and just stopped following. Do you know what happened to them? Neither do I. No one does. But the ones that didn't press on follow, we all know what happened to them because they lived to tell an amazing story. Which group do you want to be in? You we know gonna I mean the ones that have who who. You we know only I mean the ones that actually live life in such a way that we've got a story to tell, even if it's quite a tragic one, like William Borden's. It's an inspirational one because there were no retreats, no reserves, and no regrets. You know, salvation is free; it costs you nothing. But following Jesus eventually will cost you something, but it will be worth it. So, what about you? Will you follow? Will you follow? And what I'm going to ask, we do this morning as we finish our series is that we're going to respond. You probably see what's happening around the place. We did this at the first service, but there are some white boards there. And they've got a load of names up from the first service. And these were all people who were here who said, you know what, I'm going to sign up. I want to be a follower. And you might say, hang on a minute, I'm not sure I can do all that stuff. And that's okay. I'm not asking you to sign up to all that. I'm asking you to take the next step and say, I want to follow. But for many of you in this room, you've been a follower for a long time. And perhaps you're at the point now where Jesus is nudging you and saying, do you know what? Do you really want to be a follower or are you a fan? Are you fickle or are you a follower? Are you actually going to say, do you know what, Lord, wherever you lead, whenever you say it, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. I want to ask you to sign up. Now, what I'm going to do is that we're going to stand in a moment, the band are back. We're going to sing a song as we do that. And I want to encourage you to come Please write on the white, don't write on the blue, because we want to keep these things as a kind of a a, a, a just remembrance of that and just as a marker moment for us as a church and as a community. And don't use your bank signature, okay? Because A, we won't be able to read it, and B, we might use it. And it's not safe. It's not safe to do that, okay? It's a joke. It's a joke. So so write your name now can I say all the guys at the back at the back there if you can use that one the guys at the front if you use that one and if you guys here can use that one then that would be amazing why don't we stand why don't we stand and pray Father we thank you that you are an amazing God Jesus we love you and we want to follow you God we want to follow you you put something in our hearts Lord through this series I really believe something new and fresh desire to want to follow you Lord Jesus to have a relationship with you God, we don't have to have all of our beliefs sorted out. We don't have to have all of our behaviour sorted out. We don't have to have fully paid the cost, as it were. We just have to keep following You. And God, if we keep following You, You will change us. You'll bring us to that place where You want us to be. So God, I pray as many of us respond today, we want to sign up. We want to say, yes, Lord, we will follow You, regardless of the fine print, wherever You lead, whenever You say, Whatever it is, we want to follow you, Lord. And if we're not at that place yet, we're saying, Lord, we want to be. So we want to keep following until we get to that place. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. As the band start, I want to encourage you to come and to sign, to write up on the white as your response to him today and we want to keep these as a kind of record of what God has done in our lives over these last few weeks if you feel God speaking to you and prompting you come and respond don't put it off let's respond now as we sing